Thanks again for joining us for USA Basketball's Youth and Sport Development Podcast and our series on player development. I'm Jay Demings. I am the Youth and Sport Director here at USA Basketball. And I am again joined by USA Basketball's 10-time gold medal winning coach and our Coach Development Director, Coach Don Showalter. Coach, nice to be with you again. Hey, it's great to be on again for our fourth podcast. And I've uh, been getting a lot of good uh, good comments from coaches that are listening. So I look for having another good one today. Yeah, me too. And I, uh, before we discuss player development on in this episode, um, what are you hoping that our listeners took away if if they were able to listen to episodes one through three? Yeah, I think just as a kind of a review uh, for those out there listening, you know, in episode one, we, we talked about our overall USA basketball philosophy uh, on ensuring that the game is fun and safe and developmentally appropriate for players at all levels. I think that was really a key factor there. With, with that, we kind of went into more detail on on making the game fun, uh, obviously, and safe. Episode two uh, was probably one of my favorite episodes in the, because we talked about uh, the four seeds that I think are really important with our USA basketball uh, players, but also you know, as part of our philosophy. And those four C's were communication, comfort zones, choices, and competition. And so when we talked about those four things, we worked, you know, we also visited about how important those are to the development of a player, no matter what level they're at. And then our last one, uh, we, we talked about some really positive actions and behaviors that uh, coaches can actually utilize to help their teams and players grow to be their to be their best. You know, we, we talked about the communication circles, uh, and actually, I got uh, quite a few coaches asking about that from our last last episode. Uh, catching players do something well, uh, very being very positive with that. Uh, coaching in questions and sound bites that we think are really important instead of uh, paragraphs. Uh, asking questions is crucial to understanding for players, um, and then getting actually coaching in critical moments. So we did we did a lot of work in those first three episodes, and um, I'm sure the coaches will get a lot out of uh, not only those three but the ones today as well. And then today's episode, obviously, we're going to try to focus on the court a little bit more um, in what we, on what we call our player development curriculum. So. I know a lot of us out there that are coaches and our parents and, and people that are involved in the game and players, we think of curriculum as being classroom-based, like classroom education-based. Um, but curriculum can apply to sports uh, too because there's a progression level involved, obviously. So um, when I know back when we established our curriculum, it was designed to help guide players and the people that are coaching them through um, sort of a level-appropriate system of basketball development um, and if you remember this and I know we probably have to go back a couple of years now but we took uh, basically guiding principles developed by um, a couple of different coach educators Istvan Bali and Richard Way uh, who they co-wrote a book called the long-term athlete development model back in 2013 um, and so we took that model um, which included seven stages of development and we shrunk it down into four which we're going to get into uh, coach here today a little bit. Um, if you'd allow me, I, I want to kind of go back to that book, though, um, that um, that those educators developed and talk a little bit about their stages, because I think it's important to show folks how that transitions to basketball. 
particularly in the United States, but basketball uh, as a sport in general across the world. So uh, educators Bali and Wei talk about seven stages of long-term athlete development. Um, and those seven stages, they go active start, right? It's like picking up the ball or, or sport for the first time, actually, whether you have a ball or not. They go into fundamentals for their second stage, learning to train for their third stage, training to train for their fourth stage, training to compete for the fifth stage, training to win for the sixth stage, and then they, they include a seventh stage called basketball for life. And what we did is we took those scientifically proven seven stages and shrunk them down into four. And that's how we got to our four levels of player development in our curriculum. And we call those four levels, our level one's called introductory, then we go on to foundational, advanced, and um, performance. But coach, let's today talk about those four levels um, and the importance of focusing on uh, skill development. So. Why do you think progressive development is important in a player's progression in basketball? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably the, you know, the, the basis for players staying in the game and developing and uh, developing their skills and then, and then deciding that the game is fun uh, and, and they're going to stay with, and players are going to stay with it because I think uh, the progressive development uh, it's like any other subject area uh, as well. If, I, if I'm talking about a math uh, curriculum, you know, you're, you're not going to delve right into fractions uh, right away until, you know, the basis of adding subtracting have been done. Uh, if you do that, the, the student will be frustrated and, and not be able to figure things out. So math won't be any fun for them. And, and, we really kind of take the same approach with, with basketball uh, because we, we want players to have some success at a level that uh, they feel comfortable at developing their skills. And then we add to the skill level to this. So, um, you know, each level uh, is a progressive development uh, technique. Uh, you know, it's based on their success with basketball and skills uh, as opposed to really age or grade in school or you know their physical attributes mm -hmm. and not, not that that doesn't play a little bit of importance into it but really the, the skill level um, has nothing to do with with age it, it may have the age may help them develop a skill uh, if they're older and have are stronger and those kind of things but really the skill itself um, as you progressively develop a player, you start at the introductory level, as we call it, or you start at the active start. So the, the introductory level would be the, the lowest piece of that skill. So if I'm talking about uh, dribbling the basketball or I'm talking about shooting might be a better example. If I'm doing this at an introductory level um, and I want to progressively teach players how to become a better shooter. I would do this with a <clears throat> smaller basketball. I would start with a lower uh, lower basket, lower rim, height-wise. So I may start at a seven-foot, eight-foot basket with a, with a size five basketball. Uh, this Instead of having a size seven, a 10-foot uh, basket, where you really don't get you really get frustrated as a young player trying to make a basket a 10 foot. 
this introductory level would be where you start. And then when it becomes a little bit easier with a eight foot basket, a smaller basketball, you maybe raise that basket up to nine foot. And so you can teach the proper uh, elbow in, you teach the proper technique for shooting, and then you would progressively make that a little bit more, uh, maybe a little more difficult, but also raise the level of, raise that level of skill. So, so the player's always kind of thinking that uh, I can do a better job uh, because I've had the, the first initial uh, level in it. And, and, and we really emphasize then those four levels as they progress up to those, uh, you, you add to that. So uh, the introductory level, and I know we'll be getting this a little bit later, but the introductory level is for young ages. Yeah. Maybe, you know, community level uh, players, maybe ages three, four, five, six, seven, eight, who never really uh, played basketball before, but uh, they're just kind of getting together. And, or maybe a, a dad is out in the driveway and they're teaching a skill to a player just starting the game. This would be the introductory level. And then as they get better at the skill, of course, you advance that skill with the foundational which is a little more higher level where the player actually figures out, you know, I think I want to become a little better player. Maybe I want to advance my skill level. You know, I figured this, this out, the player says, at, at a, a young level of skills. And now let's take that skills to a little higher level. And you do that with a foundational, uh, which would be somewhere around 12, 13, 11, 12, 13. Uh, again, depending on, what they've done uh, previously. And then uh, the advanced level would be more high school level. So you're getting going from straight skill development, adding some uh, team skills with that, uh, adding some team play, short-sighted games with that, all the way up through advanced, which is high school level. And then performance, which would be like our junior national team level um, and, and uh, college level. So. Too many coaches, I think, try to teach young players how they've been taught. And if they're a college player, they would start right in teaching a player uh, from the college uh, from the, from the college uh, uh, level, uh, teach that to an introductory level. And that just simply doesn't work um, due to the fact that that introductory person, little skill level is just not very successful. So we think these four levels are, uh, of our curriculum are extremely important. We put a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, I speak to these four levels uh, uh, in a lot of the uh, clinics and academies that I go to and try to help coaches, uh, coaches through that. So uh, I know that's kind of a long introduction to the four different levels, but uh, again, I think it's important that we uh, describe what they are for the coaches that are listening. Well, it is maybe a longer introduction, but I think the levels are important because I, in basketball in particular, and in the United States in particular, we have a tendency to skip some steps. I think we see what we see on TV, whether it be the NBA or the Olympic levels of play, um, your junior team program, for example. And we, and, and we as, as I say, as coaches, try to um, almost push those levels upon younger players. And, and when I say younger players, like you, you had mentioned, you know, it could be an eight-year-old, but it also could be a 14-year-old who's just not ready to do some of the things they're seeing um, from, a, from an NBA team 82 nights a year. Um, but 
and we'll get into the four levels a little bit more here. Maybe not as much as we would like to, but um, maybe episodes for another time. Uh, the you talked about skills. We talk about eight essential skills uh, for players to learn um, as they're sort of going, you know, through the sport. Can you talk a little bit about those eight skills um, and briefly just kind of talk about how they permeate each of the four different levels? Yeah. Um, and, and the nice thing about these skills, I think we've broken them down to, um, you know, there's not 20 skills. There's eight essential skills that are important to be taught uh, for coaches. So if I'm a new coach or if I'm a dad, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at these eight skills. Now I have some basis for what we, what's, what should I teach uh, as opposed to kind of going from one, from one skill to the other, not really understanding what I should teach. So uh, the first skill I think is, is obviously really important is, is footwork and balance. And footwork is, you know, making your body, controlling your body on the court and um, this has to do with a lot of jump stops pivoting using your feet for an advantage uh, if I'm going to do a shooting drill uh, or a screening drill this is part of adding footwork to it so I'm going to make a good jump stop I'm going to have my body on balance feet water in the shoulders nice knee bend uh, I'm going to look like a player, as I always say. And then I'm going to work on two reverse pivots. So you have either foot as your pivot, and reverse pivot swings your leg back. And then I'm going to work on two front pivots. So there's really four four different uh, pivots that uh, need to be worked on uh, with footwork and balance. And, of course, you take this footwork and balance skill to to a lot of the other um, skills that we teach too. I mean, you put that in when you're shooting, you put it in with passing, you put it in with rebounding. Uh, so the footwork and balance really permeates uh, a lot of the other other skills that we work on. And even with our junior national team, we still uh, really think it's important to start out with a practice session, just with our four-line drill, where we re-dribble out, use, use a ball-handling drill with it, Make a jump stop, pivot, and a pass. So uh, that's really important uh, just to put these together. It's a good warm-up drill. Now, if I'm coaching uh, uh, a introductory level, if I'm coaching seven or eight-year-olds, I might spend, you know, 10, 10 minutes, seven, eight to 10 minutes on this particular drill, just on footwork, balance, looking like a player. As opposed to if I'm going to use this with my junior national team, I may do it for a minute or two just to review and refresh that skill. Um, then ball handling is another important one. Ball handling and dribbling uh, is really important to, uh, skill to be worked on. Using your weak hand, if a person's right-handed, uh, you know, what can they do with their left hand? Uh, and, you know, even as a player gets, gets more comfortable using – with ball handling and using their offhand, it's still always good to refresh that, that drill. Um, I say one of the things that is really popular now as far as offense goes is a dribble drive offense. Well, if that player can't go to his left off the dribble drive, that offense isn't going to be very good. And so, um, you know, this is one of the things that we, we emphasize in that ball handling and dribbling. 
and then shooting of course is is tremendously important and, and you learn how to shoot from at a young age um, there are really two parts to shooting uh, the skill of shooting one is from the waist up where you do elbow in technique uh, follow through uh, eyes on the basket and then there's the part where the waist down and the waist down is really footwork and balance getting to the basket making the jump stop going up strong finishing up with one foot both feet those kind of things uh, screening is an interesting skill and, and I think it's overlooked many times with coaches uh, screening is a skill that obviously is a very unselfish act on the court because screening you're trying to get your teammate open for a shot or a, a pass or whatever so it's really an unselfish act and, and the act of screening itself is very simple because it goes back to footwork and balance. If I'm going to set a screen and I can do a good jump stop and uh, lift my feet apart and uh, uh, shoulders squared, hands down, that's a screen. So the, the action of setting a screen is not that difficult, but now I'm going to, as a coach, I'm going to work on how am I going to use that screen, accept that screen to get open. So it really is a, uh, kind of a two-man game there. And screening is, is really a skill that we uh, at USA Basketball don't emphasize using at the introductory level. Because the introductory level, we want players uh, concentrating on cutting the basket, spacing, staying away from the basketball as much as possible, and keeping good spacing on the court. Uh, if we do screening at, at a introductory level sometimes everybody runs to the ball if, I'm, if you've seen some seven or six or seven or eight year olds play when they want the ball they all run to the ball well we don't really want that happening because we want the spacing to take place and so screening is something that we we put in more at the foundational level those players who really want to have a higher level of understanding of the game uh, it's time for screening uh, with them so we, we put this in at the foundational level. And then you talk about progressively teaching a skill, you know, screening something that's not taught at the introductory level, we pass and cut more. Uh, then we teach screening away from the ball. So if I make a pass to a wing, I'm gonna screen away from that pass, keeping my spacing. And the last thing we add is, is pick and rolls. So that's a progressive way to teach that skill of screen. Uh, as opposed to throwing in a pick and roll right away for a seven or eight year old, uh, which they don't really understand and takes a lot of practice and skill development to understand that. Passing and catching is a tremendous skill that most good teams have a very good handle with as far as skill development. Uh, the best teams that we played in our junior national team, teams from France, Spain, Argentina, uh, all have very good passing and catching teams. And, and I think if we all look at what our best teams are, uh, even at the high school level, they're the teams that pass and catch the best. Now, if I'm doing this to an introductory level, passing would be we, we emphasize uh, the technique, you know, stepping toward our, uh, toward our receiver, thumbs down, uh, 
elbows close to the body as we pass the ball. Uh, so we emphasize technique at an early age, and that's 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 uh, introductory level. As we get older at it, we are going to emphasize uh, sometimes not as much technique because passing takes on a form of decision making, possibly more than technique. So the foundational level, maybe you're introducing how I'm going to make a pass when there's a defender right in front of me. Um, it's not going to be a chest pass. It's not going to be a straight bounce pass. I might have to step out a little bit, make a little bounce pass. But we are making uh, decisions on how to make the pass. So I would say that passing and catching goes from technique at an early age, uh, introductory phase, and then foundational advance it becomes more of a decision-making skill. And so my practices be more from, uh, all right, two-on-one situations or passing the ball when you have uh, being heavily guarded uh, or passing the ball out of a double team. So those are things that you progress with with passing, but extremely important skill. Uh, rebounding, a lot of coaches that I, I watch uh, do, don't really teach rebounding. Maybe they'll cover it in a two or three minute talk and then uh, that's it. Uh, so that's a skill that needs to be not only not only talked about, but it needs to be be drilled and repetition. And then you have the last two, um, whole offense and whole defense. And these are these are team concepts. And uh, whole offense, both these uh, offense and defense, not necessarily five on five work. In fact, if I'm teaching whole offense to my uh, introductory level, my seven, eight year olds, I might teach pass, cut, and then somebody's got to fill that spot where the player just made a cut. So we have movement taking place, we have uh, good spacing taking place, and so. That is part of a, a whole offense. In fact, at the introductory level, uh, I, I probably would recommend teaching no five-on-five. Five. And I understand that you know you play games five-on-five five and stuff, but uh, I would I would certainly recommend teaching teaching more from a three-on three-on-zero, three-on-three type, emphasizing your team spacing and cutting. Then, as you get up in your foundational level. Uh, maybe you add four on four, uh, of course, advanced, and you 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 play more five on five. But the whole offense, and I, I I speak at clinics, and when I say as a younger coach, one of the things I would do more of as I look back on on my coaching, I would play more three on three for defense and offense. It, it makes the players understand the game. It, 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 they figure out how to make cuts, how to make the passes. Uh, as opposed to playing a five-on-five game. It opens court up a little bit um, as well. So a whole offense can be played uh, at an introductory level, but obviously you're you're emphasizing only passing, cutting, and filling that spot. And so these eight, these eight skills are really, um, we think, are important. And I'll, I'll go back to the point where if I uh, if I if, if if I'm a player like uh, Stephen Curry, who is arguably the best shooter in, in the game of basketball, you know he did, he never graduates from that skill. 
In other words, you never get good enough that you graduate from a skill that you never have to work on. Uh, he still makes 300 to 500 shots uh, after every practice. So he refreshes that skill. He 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 reps that skill. Uh, so no matter how what level you have, in fact, the more skills you learn, the probably the more times you have to go back and refresh those drills, those skills. And so uh, that's a point I always make is you never get good enough. You're never good enough to graduate from from that skill. Uh, and, and we think that's really important that you 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 keep refreshing that skill. You keep re, re, rep, repetitioning that skill. So you always become a little bit better at it. And then when you teach these skills, you know, you teach it in, in a way that you um, simply because players learn at a different different level. I'm sure we'll get into this maybe in other episodes as well. But players learn at different different ways. Some players learn by um, they can pick it up just by explaining a drill. Some players learn they have to see it. Some players learn better, actually have to do it. So when you when you emphasize a skill or when you uh, teach a skill, you, you have to explain it and then you have to show it. And then you have to rep it, get, get a lot of repetition because repetitions is where you make your the habits. The more repetitions, the more habits, the better the habits gonna be in these skills. You can talk all you want to about shooting, but if you never get reps in, that skill of shooting will be very good. And then after you rep it, you make, as a coach, you make corrections uh, to that player or that team uh, with, with whatever skill that is. And then you rep it again. So you're constantly trying to improve those repetitions uh, with every skill. So uh, again, uh, Jay, you know, we talk about uh, the skills that are really, really important, and, and we've broken these down to eight skills. And I think, I think these eight skills, if, if coaches would emphasize these eight skills and get them, get their players to have a good grasp of these skills, I think overall they could be, they would be a, a really good player. Right, coach. So we we talked about our four levels. Uh, we're going to get into those um, a little deeper here. Uh, we talk about our eight essential skills, and just as a reminder. For everybody, that's footwork and balance, um, ball handling, shooting, screening, passing and catching, rebounding, both offensive and defensive, whole offense and whole defense, which are team, team concepts. But we, if I heard you correctly, recommend making modifications to the screening um, and the team concepts based on the level, because obviously, you know, we don't want to go too in-depth on, on those more advanced, um, you know, skills. Um, so, you know, obviously those are a lot of skills. If you, if, if a coach only has a small amount of time with their players, which of those eight skills would you suggest that they focus on every practice? They have, they've only got a few to focus on, which would you pick? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I know a lot of, a lot of coaches who coach, uh, especially younger players, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, uh, even 12, 13 year olds, they may only have maybe 45 minutes to an hour practice session uh, once or twice or three times a week. And, you know, you, you, you have to sort out, all right, what am I going to, what kind of skills am I going to teach if I only got maybe, maybe a short time in practice? Uh, and I, I think obviously uh, the footwork and balance 
uh, has to be taught, uh, reviewed, refreshed, so to speak, uh, every, with every practice. Uh, I think also shooting, obviously, is a, is a skill that we probably uh, don't do enough in a practice situation. I mean, uh, I, I look at our junior national team players coming in, and we do we do have some really fine shooters there. But overall, uh, that's probably a skill that I think could could keep be keep being improved, keep being taught. Um, and then I think the, the the skill we still need to really emphasizes passing. So footwork and balance, shooting and passing are the three that I would work on in in practice session if I only had a certain amount of time. And obviously you can put footwork and balance with shooting. You can put that with passing as well. So you can you can combine these skills, especially at the starting at the foundational level. So you can combine two or three skills within a within a team drill. Uh, so to speak, um, and we always, I always say that generally, uh, uh, you, you divide your practices up into thirds. The third should be spent on skill work. Third should be spent on uh, your off whole offense uh, at any level. Maybe it's just passing and cutting, and then a third on whole defense. Uh, what is help side defense, guarding the ball, those kind of things. So if you divide your practice up into thirds, that, that Pretty well takes in. Uh, I think you're you're pretty well on the track to implementing um, a good practice plan and a good practice session with with the skills. I've obviously watched your junior national team practices, and I can attest that you do spend time working with some of the most elite of the elite athletes on their footwork and balance and, and um, kind of going back to the long-term athlete development model for which we based our curriculum off of that footwork and balance portion of it sort of permeates everything um, that we're suggesting here because, um, you know, without that, and I know you gave the Steph Curry example and this, this might be relevant here, but in the long-term athlete development model, their active start phase doesn't even involve necessarily a ball. They suggest that children, young children, three years old, four years old, five years old, should take part in activities, in four, in four types of activities, on land. So that could be basketball, but it could be running. Yeah. Uh, it could be, um, you know, it could be soccer. Um, on ice, so that's skating or skiing, um, or ice or snow. Uh, in the water, so, you know, things like swimming or, or um, you know, different, different um, sports that you might be able to play. Um, you know, surfing, things like that. Um, and then in the air, things like gymnastics. And, and so anyway, their, their model, and we based it off of this, is that if you can get young people to take part in a variety of activities, we call it multi-sport today, but I'm just talking general activities, by and large, you're going to see those players in basketball be a little more advanced, even at some of the earlier levels, right? Because they have those fundamental balance elements already implemented and so I know there are some coaches yep. out there coach listening now and they're like you know oh this is ridiculous you know I'm, I'm dealing with high school kids and and you know I'm going to work on footwork and balance but it's so important you know I know you would recommend that they try to implement footwork and balance type uh, skill and drill work within their feeder programs even right absolutely and I'll even give a better example <clears throat> with with footwork and balance is two examples Kobe Kobe Bryant 
you know, arguably one of the best NBA players ever to play the game. Uh, you know, he, he got his start by playing. Uh, he, he grew up in Italy, so he played soccer. So he had great footwork and balance because of because of that. And then he carried that over to, to basketball. Uh, I also go to the point of, of uh, Jay Wright, who coaches Villanova. Uh, has won two out of the last three championships uh, uh, as well. But I go to his practice, and his practice is is really constructed all around footwork and balance, getting to the paint, jump stopping, making a pass out of there, making a shot out of there. So, and, and we're talking, you know, national championship caliber players that are are really embedded in uh, getting their footwork and balance to the point where uh, they're very hard to guard. And, and so same with our junior national team. Uh, you know, a great example for us is Jason Tatum, uh, who, played, who was an all-star this past year playing for the Boston Celtics. But his footwork is, is so advanced uh, and so good uh, from from his shooting to his passing. You know, he, he, he really has a great grasp on uh, looking like a player, getting his hips down, uh, making his jump stops, and using his pivots. So, uh, so, so coaches, I think, miss that point a lot. In fact, that this is not just an introductory skill. This is, like I said, you never graduate from a skill, so you keep refreshing that skill. Um, so, I think those are some points that I would hope coaches would uh, kind of remember as they're coaching uh, at any level. You kind of brought up a good point in the Kobe Bryant topic, the late Kobe Bryant, unfortunately. But having learned overseas as a young player, um, you know, I think what he probably saw there that we don't see here in the States as much is uh, sort of that balance between uh, playing games and practicing. And that ratio in the United States, um, whether it be due to the club environment or the travel team environment or what's typically referred to as the quote-unquote AAU environment. Um, You know, can you talk about the importance of maintaining balance there? I I know um, in the club environment, for example, now um, players will play, you know, four to six games on a weekend and, you know, practice once during the week and variety of reasons for that, obviously, maybe, but uh, why is it important to have that balance? Yeah, that's a great point because as um, as I watch international players and, and speak to club coaches at the international level, uh, I find out that uh, their their uh, game to practice ratio is about one to six, one game to every six practices. Mm-hmm. And in the in in our country, the United States, it's just switched around. Mm-hmm. It's about six games to every one practice. And so I think uh, many times we are really losing some of that skill development work. Uh, and, and I understand that, you know, uh, players have might have their own trainer or whatever. But I still think it's important for a coach to understand how, how your team is going to get better depends on the level of those skills of your players and if they get better. Uh, one of the things as a young coach I always uh, I look back on and one thing I think I improved more uh, for, as, as a young coach is I, I kept spending time with skill development in my practices. Uh, I know I go to a lot of high school practices now to evaluate players for our junior national team. And a lot of times 
you know, they're so involved with our, we have to do the team offense, the team defense that they overlook uh, having any, any kind of skill development in their, in their practices. And uh, I think that teams that have continuous skill development uh, in their practices tend to get better as the season goes on. And I would say this with club teams too. You know, if you, if you have two or three practices with, with uh, skill development from uh, day one of practice all the way through however many practices you have as a coach, maybe 50 or 60 or 70, and you continue with that skill development, your teams tend to be better at the end than they were at the beginning or, or midway. Um, and, and, you know, one of our points of emphasis, one of our standards is uh, no more than two games per day. That um, we recommend from the USA, USA basketball standpoint, but mm-hmm. there's really got to be a balance there. And uh, I go back to you know watching a third grade practice and um, and and for an hour practice and, and for about 40 minutes uh, the coaches played five on five and let them scrimmage. Well, that, that's going to be a very difficult uh, team to to improve their skill level if all they do is just run up and down and, and scrimmage. So really has to be a, a balance there between what we're doing with the, with the game situation and what we're doing with the skill development. And I've, I've said uh, for many years that our, we probably have, our kids have probably played too many games and, and during the during a time when they're you know at a young age, uh, seven all the way up through through high school, we probably play too many games, and not enough time is spent on on uh, on skill development, and and that goes back to uh, the coach's emphasis as well. You know, uh, if if we're just spending time with with uh, five on five stuff. Uh, we're probably not going to have the emphasis of our you got to become a better rebounding team or, or a better passing team. So uh, that balance is important with those two things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this falls back to the coach. It probably also falls back to the parent too, in the sense that, you know, if we can get the coach to flip the uh, ratio from more practices yeah. than games, right. And then we can get the coach to flip, within those practices to focus less on strategizing for the upcoming game and more on using your practice time to develop the players, then we need the parent to recognize those, in this case, we're talking about club and travel teams, find a club and travel team that has your child's best interest in mind and not necessarily their uh, win-loss record. Um, So I think that's a good takeaway. And um, what I wanted to do, Coach, though, I know we... um, you know, we don't want to take up everybody, too much of everybody's time, but we do want to talk briefly about the four levels. Just have you give a brief overview of each level. I know you started at the introductory level, maybe revisit that one. Uh, suggested ages. I know we talked about this is not an age-focused curriculum, but maybe it's a good time to give a guide for the coaches that are listening and the parents that are listening about what we mean at introductory, foundational, advanced, and performance levels. Yeah, just uh, just kind of a synopsis of those four levels. Again, the introductory level it starts out ages three, four, whenever whenever a player starts to pick up a basketball, and then uh, uh, they 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 figure out that it's it, the game is fun for one thing. If the game is fun, uh, they're going to spend some time on their own developing their skills. And so 
the main thing that introductory level as a coach, if I'm coaching a group of seven or eight year olds, the main thing I want to do is instill the love of the game. Uh, and I know I've said this before on other episodes, but instill that love of the game because that's how they get started with really developing their skills. And they're going to develop their skills outside of a coaching coach's practice session. Um, this introductory level should the, the emphasis should not be on on five on five play. It should not be on winning a game. That's not what we're what we're doing at the introductory level. Uh, and I know I know the leagues are going for that level as well. <coughs> but I, I think we need as coaches we need to really uh, step back and let them let them uh, play at this level, but also emphasize that you know winning is certainly not what we want uh, to emphasize. That's not a goal at the introductory level. That might be a, an, an objective, that might be an outcome, but uh, our goal is, 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 is to uh, progressively teach it the skill. And then the foundational level, this is kind of more uh, uh, fundamental basic basketball skills. In other words, at this level, kind of between the ages of eight and 13, a player figures out, you know, I really want to become a better player. Um, now we kind of graduate from the community-based uh, to a picking out a club team that's really important to be on or, or uh, you know, still a social, big social area uh, part of this. But, but also uh, the player figures out that, you know, I, I want to be part of a, a club team or, or part of, uh, a, a, a bigger team than just a community-based team. And so, like you said, Jay, I think it's important for parents to understand, all right, it's important for me to, to, to be on a, on a club team. First of all, it still emphasizes the fundamentals and skills and not place so, create, so much emphasis on the game and winning the game. Uh, you, know, you teach a lot of concepts in this. And you start to teach, you know, passing and, and cutting and maybe some screening and, and just how to play the game. And you really do this by, by doing uh, uh, short-sided games, two-on-two, three-on-three skill games. Um, and then maybe throwing in some five-on-five, five, but really the actual focus is not on the actual five-on-five five competition. So um, it, players will remember skills better if they uh, learn it on their own. And so, uh, I, my phrase always is, all right, you know, players need to figure it out. And when you play three on three, that's how they figure out how to play. And as a coach, it's not so much what you teach, but how you teach it. And uh, we try to control every movement of the young players on the court. But sometimes I think many times these players are better if they figure it out, uh, a backdoor cut. Uh, you know, if they do that without being told, then they can really uh, pick that up. So foundational level is now a great start to uh, a player's initial introductory level where they, they are, are really establishing fundamental skills. They're more uh, experienced with that aspect of it. Um, uh, then you have the advanced level. Now they move on from 12 and 13 more into the uh, 13 to 18 range, high school range would be your, your advanced level. Uh, I'll back up and say at the foundational level, you know, zone defense 
certainly is not a part of the whole defense at that level. Uh, that is, it should only be taught man to man. And I think in the United States, sometimes players, eight, nine, 10 year olds are playing a half court, one, three, one trap or, or those kind of things, which really is not a development type of, of game uh, or, or allows those players to develop uh, the fundamentals. Uh, that's more, I think, more for the coach to say we won the game as opposed to what did the players learn. But now you get to the advanced level and you're starting to build strength in the player. Uh, they're, they're really involved with becoming a better player. Uh, they're still, they're still uh, basketball skills uh, development. Uh, they really have, you're trying to get more skills developed within a drill. So you're, you're combining a lot of the skills that we talked about earlier uh, with that. So uh, the advanced level now might be footwork with shooting, uh, footwork with with passing, um, screening. Now you're putting screening into the into the mix here as well. Um, now you're you're upping your level of five on five play. Maybe 30, 40 percent of the time is is five on five play, along with three on three or two on two uh, in practices. And then uh, you know as you progress in this advanced level, uh, you're probably going to make more of a 50-50 training to competition ratio. And I think it's really important in this level as well that the, the competitive nature of the drills increases. So you're going from introductory level to foundational level. There's some competition based in those two levels, but now your advanced level is, is a much higher level of competition. So those skills, now you put them in a, you put them in a competitive arena, now those skills take on a new life of their own because you are really emphasizing the competition factor with the skills. And they're making skills uh, probably uh, a little more difficult to attain when you start putting competition on them. So that's the advanced level. Uh, most of us that coach high school, I would say, would have the advanced level or hope to because this would be a, a high level for for high school teams, travel teams, club teams as well. We're not forgetting the skill development. We're not, we're not forgetting that we don't graduate from skill. We still have to work on those. We don't, uh, we don't just play games. Uh, we certainly have a lot of practice with the, within this level as well. And then the last one, Jay, is our performance level. Probably our junior national team players are at this level, uh, college players, you know, obviously NBA players is at the highest level. And now we're getting stronger. We're maximizing our fitness and, and comp uh, competition preparation, uh, as well as our individual and position specific skills. We're getting into more position specific. Uh, in the other levels, we should teach all players all skills. And now we're getting into, all right, what skills are more specific to a post play? or a point guard play. Uh, you're, you're spending a little more time with specific, uh, with specific position work on these. Um, and now we're training for competition. You know, we're putting in obviously scouting reports and we're, we're doing more toward what it takes to win in both these last two levels. I mean, we've, now, now we can play some zone defense if that suits our team. 
uh, we're trying to figure out uh, as a high school coach what is best for our players. How can we how can we give them the best opportunity to win the game? Because winning now is probably well, it should be uh, much more important than it is at the younger levels. So we advance now to that to that performance level, and I find out that you know our junior national team players. I'll uh, give an example. They are so physically gifted. Uh, Jalen Green is going into G League next year. is is tremendously physically gifted, but at some point he's going to have to recall the skills to be a complete player. I mean, he's not going to be able to physically dominate. Uh, the J, you know, Jason Tatum the same way. Uh, Jason's done a great job of developing his skills along with his physical ability. Now you have a, really a great player with that. So uh, those are the four levels that, uh, and, and a little bit of description of how those four levels kind of intertwine and, and uh, work with each other as well. And that's great. And, and there's a likelihood, obviously, that uh, the eight skills that we talked about um, for a player, they're going to fall at various levels, right? Like maybe just talk a little bit about that. You know, you, you, you deal with some high level players on the junior team side. You've dealt with some, you know, average to above average players when you were coaching high school basketball as well. Um, I would imagine that those eight skills aren't all within one level per player, correct? Correct. Uh, very much so. And I think this is a challenge, uh, a challenge for, for a coach. You know, if you have, let's say you have your introductory level, Jay, with with some eight, nine-year-olds, and uh, out, of, out of 10 players, eight of them can do a skill, uh, such as dribbling, uh, maybe maybe just uh, stationary dribbling, right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. Now you would progress to a, a little more uh, difficult skill with dribbling, even though maybe two of them you'd have to catch up. So. Um, so I think that the, the, the level that you as a coach look at your players, look at your team and evaluate their skill level. Now you, you teach to the skill level that is going to um, make those players uh, advance their skills from a competition standpoint. And like I said, uh, like you mentioned, uh, you know, not all the players that we get from our junior national team have the same level of skills with ball handling or rebounding. Uh, so I think you you try to teach those skills based on what most of the players, 80% of players on your team can do. And, and, then, and then I find out that some of those players who aren't quite as skilled, they'll catch up to the players that are more skilled um, by getting out of their comfort zone a little bit and doing the competitive type of type of drills. So uh, yeah, but that's a, that's a great point to make as well because not all your players are going to be at the same level, um, and you want to try to attain teach teach so those players all progress uh, with the skill. Which I think the most interesting interesting part there for the listeners and uh, especially those of you that are coaching out there, or even the parents that are out there and players too, that you have this on your junior national team program too. So it's not, uh, and granted you're, we have been blessed with some great talent at those levels, but to try to devise a practice, you still have to figure, uh, differentiate things for the players that you're um, working with. But coach, finally for this segment anyway, 
why do you feel that we as coaches have a duty to help players progress themselves as much as we do uh, have a duty to progress our teams in terms of uh, wins and losses? Well, I, I think that I think they kind of both go go hand in hand a little bit, Jay. I think one of the things that you know our philosophy is 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 player development, and so we we need to see progress in skills. Uh, we need to see progress in in skills such as developing a left hand, because if we see that skill develop individually, then we're going to see our team get better. You know. If our team doesn't, if our if our team uh, gets better, then we can point it back to the skills getting better or improving. And that's why when I talk about uh, practice sessions with developing skills, um, those I think the coaches who continue to uh, really emphasize skill development throughout all their practices and each practice, their team gets better as their season goes on because of that skill development. And I, I look back in my own career coaching high school basketball, and um, I look back on the, on the years where we really had good teams. More so it was because we had skill development that was worked on through all 70 or 80 practices. And so I think one one of those really helps the other one. If I'm going to have a good team, I'm not going to have a good team unless I have good skilled players. Uh, so as a coach, I, ha I have to really keep that in mind as I'm putting my practice plans together and I'm, and I'm putting my team together. And then that responsibility obviously sort of is permeates the whole philosophy behind our basketball for life model. Um, in 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 what this real this whole series has been about, which is to keep players in the game for life and interested as um, you know, hopefully they go on as players, but mo more likely than not, most of us are going to end up in the coach, fan, parent, administrator bucket, like ourselves. Um, but but what I hope people take away from this is that it is important to win, um, and and you've got to train to win, but you also have to learn how to compete in order to win. But you have to know how to train in order to compete. We have to teach kids to train and, and coaches to, to, to teach kids to train. And the whole thing to me really is built on fundamentals. And again, if I can keep going back to that active start stage, because I know we have people out here who aren't necessarily coaching, um, you know, four, five and six year olds, but we'll have children at some point here if they don't already that we're going to look to get involved. And th that active start stage or that, that introductory stage, keep those players involved in other sports. Again, we talked about on land, on ice, in the air, um, and on water. Um, but keep them involved in things because that will help them get to those um, later stages. So, well, Coach, this has been a lot of fun. This series has been a lot of fun. I know we're going to do a lot more. Um, you know, this is, this is season one and the end of season one, if you will. But... Um, I know we have plans for season two in the coming weeks, and we're going to dive into a variety of basketball topics. Correct? Absolutely. This is uh, this is this is, to me, uh, Jay. I think this this is this is the whole essence of what coaching is about: <clears throat> understanding uh, how to progressively coach, understanding the level of players, understanding skill development, and then team development as well. So. Uh, this has really been good. Uh, I know just the comments I get from coaches, 
Uh, I think it's been very helpful to many coaches, young coaches who are who are just starting out coaching, and and a good reminder for coaches who have been coaching for many years as well. Well, thank you, Coach, and I want to thank everybody out there who has listened. Uh, we encourage you, if this is the first podcast you've heard, to go back and listen to our first three episodes um, earlier on. Um, look for future episodes, but thank you for joining us at the USA Basketball Youth and Sport Podcast. Uh, this has been our player development series. Uh, this ends season one, but look for season two coming in the coming weeks, where we'll do, uh, dive into a variety of different basketball topics and really based on your suggestions. So if you don't mind, email us with your suggestions. Uh, the email address is youth, that's Y-O-U-T-H, at usabasketball.com, youth at usabasketball.com. So email us with any ideas, suggestions, and questions you have. Good luck to everybody out there on their player and co- playing and coaching journeys, and we'll see you all soon.